listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. I'm just encouraging you. This is an important, uh, very, very important word today. Um, I'm revealing something here (laughs) on the broadcast. You saw the title, and uh, I'll be doing home church from now on. That's the title of this broadcast. What's up, Angela? And your husband is watching. Usually, uh, from what I've seen, in Jamaica. Good to have you in Jamaica. Can't wait to get back there. Um, I want to deal with this thought because, and it needs to be talked about, we've had so many people with this mindset You know, we've seen so many people that are um, transitioning, if you will, to home church. Um, I'm doing home church from now on. Uh, Even before the lockdown, even before the pandemic, quote unquote, we had people that were shifting uh, from going to church, uh, from even pastoring churches to doing church at home. And literally, I know pastors that stopped pastoring their churches and decided to just do a home, you know, church, home church, church in the home. And uh, I want to deal with that today. I'm going to give you six things from the Bible, six things from the Bible, why this is not only unscriptural, but it's foolish. It's absolutely foolish. And, um, you know, there's people that want to, you know, I'm trying to think of the best way to say it, not mock, but they kind of, um, look down upon, upon the thought of, of large churches or churches growing. Um, well, it's not personal enough and whatever, whatever the people might want to say, I've heard all the arguments, you know, we don't like to go to a big church for this reason or that, or we don't want, we want to go to a church that's very small. I've heard people say that. Um, and so I'm going to give you six things from the Bible today, uh, on understanding why this whole thing about church from home is stupid. It's really, really stupid. Uh, it's not God's way. It's not his system. It's not his plan. Um, and it goes not only against what the Bible teaches, but it also goes against the example of the early church, uh, the apostles, the first century church. It's not the way the church was founded. And so, um, we're going to deal with that today because it needs to be dealt with. Uh, one thing we've seen in the last year that you can clearly see, I'm sure, is that people didn't place a high enough priority on church attendance. Let me say that again. If you have been watching, one of the things, and I'm including pastors in that, pastors are included in this thought, Not all pastors, some pastors um, have, have not placed a high enough priority um, on church attendance. Now we're going to deal with some of these thoughts. Um, Don Hayward on YouTube says upper room question marks. And then Zach Wilson said, you can have a home church with other people. Um, 
Faith asks, what about online watch parties with Elevation Church? Um, And so we're going to deal with those thoughts. And those are all good questions and those are all good observations that need to be, um, yeah, that need to be addressed. Mike Frost, who attends my uncle's church in Virginia said, hey, pastor, I'll be ushering from home this week. And so we're going to deal with these thoughts. I'm going to show you from the Bible uh, and then, and then we're going to deal with it. We're going to deal with it. Um, So I want to give these six things. I may give you more, but I know for sure I'm going to give you these six because uh, it should help you to see and solidify this thought about church from home or doing church at home. Um, so first of all, I want you to go with me to Matthew chapter 18. Actually, you know what? First, let's go to Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 10. Let's just go there first, uh, and deal with this, this thing first, because it needs to be the the foundation because more than anything else, uh, we are commanded to gather together. There's no question about that. There's, there's scripture that commands us to gather together as believers. We are not at liberty to say, well, I just choose not to gather. I'm one of those that, you know, I do church alone. I, you know what people have said? I, I find God the best when I'm alone. I, you know, I don't like to attend a church. I don't like to be around the other people. Really, I find in solitude or from my home or when I'm alone, you know, that's where I like to be with God. I don't, I don't like to do, no, the Bible teaches that we must and gives us a command to gather together. And Hebrews chapter 10 uh, and verse 25 Let's read it together. Hebrews 10, 25. So the first thing we need to see, uh, number one, if you're taking notes, number one, we are commanded to gather together. Now to answer some of these questions and I'm answering these biblically, uh, obviously there was no live stream when Hebrews was written. There was no live stream for the early church. And so the context, I heard one pastor say this and I disagree with him. He said in the upcoming years, um, the real question we're going to ask our, have to ask ourselves is how do we define gathering together? Well, I don't think you have to redefine gathering together. Gathering together is gathering together. The point he was making was, does that mean through via audio, via online services. If we develop the technology for virtual reality, where I can put on an Oculus headset and be actually sitting in, virtually sitting in a building watching the service with 360 cameras that are live streaming. You know, his question was, I guess we're gonna have to redefine how we talk about gather together. No, we do what the Bible teaches and I'll show you why in this broadcast, but we do what the Bible teaches and we do it the way that they did it in the church, in the early church. So Hebrews 10, 25, listen to this verse of scripture. The Bible says, um, now actually let me bounce back to 24 and 25. So listen to verse 24 first and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more and all the more as you see the day drawing near. That's the ESV. As you see the day drawing near. 
What is that? The day of the Lord. So according to this command, we're actually supposed to be gathering together and encouraging one another more often as we say of the, see the day of the Lord approaching, not less often, more often, according to Hebrews 10, 25. And so uh, the reason I read verse 24 is because look at that. It said, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. So the first thing you need to understand about going together, going to church, gathering together is this. We're commanded to do it. We're commanded to do it. We don't get to choose whether or not we're church going people. Well, you know, I don't really, I, I love, I'm not really religious. I love the Lord, but you know, I kind of do, I have fellowship with him from home. It's not in the scripture. It's not what we're commanded to do. We are commanded to gather. Now, obviously big cathedrals were not built in the early church. They didn't have big, you know, church building. They had the temple. We know they had the temple and we know they gathered there. Okay. We know they gathered in a central place, not in now, were there home churches as the church was growing? Of course, of course there were. Did people gather together in homes? Yes, they did. Absolutely. They did. So let me make a distinction as Zach, um, Wilson, uh, put that comment on Facebook or excuse me on, on YouTube where he said, um, it is, you know, you can have church in a house. I'm not disagreeing with that. You can. However, we're going to put some stipulations on that in this broadcast today. That doesn't mean I stay home and have church. That by no means is I stay home and have church. It may mean that a pastor or a ministry gift feels to start a church. Maybe he starts it in his home. Maybe like Craig Rochelle, maybe he started it in his garage. Maybe he starts it in a hotel ballroom. Maybe he starts it in a middle school auditorium. He, may, he has a location, but notice what's happening where believers are leaving their homes and gathering together in a central location. We're coming together. We're not all just, you know, it's like uh, people say, well, you know, in the early church, they had church from home. They weren't all sitting at home on their couch and just like reading through the Old Testament. They were gathering together. That's what we see in the Bible. They were leaving their homes, coming to a centrally located uh, place. And so it's like my, my nephew, Alex, put in, people say this a lot. Well, really, we're the church. So church is where I am. What a foolish argument that people have today. Well, we are the church. We're the ecclesia. We're the called out ones. So wherever I am is where church is. No, that's not, that's not number one. That's not what the Bible taught. And it's not what they did in the early church. They didn't go around saying, well, we're the ecclesia. And so because we are, you know, wherever I am is church. No, they still gathered together in a central location and had a meeting of believers. Right. And so number one, we're commanded to gather together. And of course, Zach was making that point on YouTube is that it's not necessarily the, necessarily the location of the gathering that matters. You know, when I was uh, younger, I remember this, a pastor had my father in to preach. I was just a boy, but I can remember this, this pastor, the only location in the city that he could find that would let him rent, rent a place to hold church was a bar. And I don't mean like a bar and grill. Like, I don't mean like an Applebee's. I mean like a bar, a bar bar where all they did was drink. And 
They weren't open, obviously, on Sunday morning, uh, you know, at 10 a.m. Apparently, from what I remember, they, they didn't open um, until the afternoon. So literally, this pastor would come in and he would set the bar up. It was like an open space. They had like a dance floor that he would set up, put a stage up. He would put chairs up. He would literally take little blankets or like, I don't know if they were modesty cloths. He would lay them over the Bud Light and Coors neon signs, you know, in the bar. And I can remember we went there and held a revival and we had people saved. We had people healed power of the power of God moved because it wasn't about the actual location. It was about obeying the command to gather together and have church. And so uh, we, we, we turned the bar into the house of God, commandeered the bar and turned it into the house of God and had church. And so I'm not saying necessarily that the, uh, the, because there are churches all over America and around the world that are holding services in places that are not deemed a church building. You know, there's churches that don't yet have a church building. There are some that are meeting in strip malls. There's some that are meeting in high school auditoriums, middle school auditoriums. Some are meeting in um, coffee houses. Some are meeting in homes. Some are meeting in garages. So, you know, there's different places when you can, where you can meet, but the po- important thing is we meet. We come together. We, we leave our homes and we come together. And so I, I want to make that. And, and someone wrote uh, in the comments, they're like, I can't believe this has to be explained. I agree. I can't believe that it has to be explained. But in this generation in which we live, people are making these excuses. Of course, part of that is because of the fact that the Bible prophesies that in the last days, uh, there would be uh, the hearts of many people would grow cold and they would fall away from the faith. It's part of the apostasy, Uh, the apostasy, people leaving the faith is all that means. Part of the apostasy is we just don't want to do what the Bible says to do anymore. So we're just not going to do it. And so I understand that that's happening. However, it doesn't change what uh, we're supposed to do and where we are commanded to gather together. Now, uh, in the following things that I'm going to give you, I'm going to show you why it's important from scripture that we do gather together, that we come together physically and faith. Keep on watching. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to address the question you had as well. Uh, about the watch parties and, and online church and all that. Um, and so uh, I, I totally agree that there are many places we can meet, but we still should meet. Um, and we are commanded to do so. Anytime somebody says, well, I'm just, I'm not a church person. I don't go to church. I'm not, I don't go to church. They are in direct violation of the word of God. You as a Christian can't negotiate God's commands. If he said it, we do it because he's our Lord. He's our master. We do what the master says. And so we can't negotiate that. If he commands us to gather together with believers, we gather together with believers. We do what the Bible says. And so uh, we need to acknowledge that first because the command is more important than any of the benefits. I think you would agree with that. And in fact, I want you to put it in the comments. Uh, God's commands are actually more important than the benefits. God's commands are more important than the benefits. Please write that because it does matter. You know, because if we put the benefits 
above the commands, then we could say, well, somebody could say, well, yeah, I know that there is that benefit of obeying the instruction, but I'm not that interested in that benefit. You know, I'm okay without having it in my life. Well, that might be, you might want to live below your standard. That's your prerogative. But the, the obedience to his command is not negotiable. So whether or not you care about the benefit that comes from it doesn't matter. It's the fact that he said it and we do it. Amen. And so remember this, remember this, even if there were no benefits to obeying God's commands, which there are many, and he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. But even if there were no benefits to obeying his commands, we still obey them anyway. Because he's our Lord, he's our master, we're his servants. And so the first thing that we have to talk about is we're commanded to do so. Uh, number two, so if you don't attend church faithfully, then number one, you don't, um, you don't value God's commands. You don't value his instructions. But then I'll have you turn over to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. And this one I'm going to pair again with Hebrews chapter 10 that we just read. So Matthew 18 is important because the second reason that it's extremely important. That's, that's right. Zach uh, Wilson's putting in there 1 Samuel 15, 22, Obedience is better than sacrifice. It's greater than sacrifice. Uh, you know, when I was growing up, I used to, thought, I used to think that verse meant it's better uh, to obey than to sacrifice your behind. You know, get, get a spanking. That's not what it means. It means that God would rather have your obedience than he would to have your sacrifices. Like as people sacrificed on the altar. He doesn't care. That's like saying, you know, I'm going to give in the offering, but I'm going to go live however I want. Well, God doesn't care about your offering as much as he cares about your obedience. Obedience is better than that sacrifice. And so the second thing that I want us to see as the victory tribe this is why we're faithful church attendees is because not only are we commanded, but look at verse 20 of Matthew 18. Um, Jesus is speaking here and, and listen to what he said. I'll start with 19. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my father, which is in heaven. Verse 20, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in their midst or among them. I am there. And so uh, God's presence, he promised to be at the gatherings of believers. He promised. We know there's even a corporate anointing. You know that. There's a corporate anointing. One can put a thousand to flight. Two can put 10,000 to flight. If there is no point in unity, if there's no benefit to unity, then why would God have us focus on the unity of the brethren? If, why would he have us focus on encouraging one another, building one another up, power in agreement in prayer? See that? Power in the agreement of prayer. What's the point of the power of agreement? See, because if all there, if all that was necessary is say, well, you know what? I can do it on my own. I don't need to go to church. I can pray. God's with me. Well, of course he's with you. He lives in you by his Holy spirit dwells in you. The Bible teaches, but that's not 
Just because God dwells in you and Jesus said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you doesn't mean that the rest of scripture doesn't matter. We don't say, well, just because I got the Holy Ghost living on the inside of me, I don't need to go to any gatherings. That's not what the Bible teaches. And it's not what the early church did or thought. It's not how the apostles thought. And it's obviously not how Jesus thought. So Bonnie, number two is that God's presence dwells where we gather. There's a corporate anointing. There is a corporate anointing. And there are benefits to the corporate anointing. There's benefits to agreement, the power of agreement, unity. That's why instead of just reading to you Hebrews 10, 25, I read to you Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, because notice that what is said here in uh, Hebrews 10, 24, this can't be done alone. Let me read it again. Hebrews 10, 24, before we're commanded to gather, look at this. The Bible says, and let us, where's it at? Consider how to stir up one another to love and to good works. I'm supposed to stir my brothers up, which is what I'm doing on this broadcast, but I'm supposed to stir my brothers up. When I go to church, I'm stirring up my brothers. Remember this, the, there's not just one reason we go to church. That's what I'm doing the broadcast for, to show you that. There's not only one reason we attend church. There are multiple reasons we attend church and we gather together. One of them is because as a believer, you are required by God to stir up your brothers and sisters, to love and to good works. I'm supposed to encourage others to, to even at a greater level, walk in love and at a greater level to operate in good works. What about this? I'm, I'm, I'm called to encourage, and, and that's verse 25, but encouraging one another. Do you realize there are people all around you that need supernatural encouragement? They're, they need supernatural encouragement. Amen. And one of the things you're called to do is to be an encouragement to people who are in your local assembly. We all strengthen one another. Bible teaches that it is not the pastor's job to be the only person in the body that strengthens the believers. No, that is not taught in scripture. It teaches that we're to encourage one another. That's right. John, John on Facebook said he's quoting Proverbs chapter 27, uh, where the Bible says as iron sharpens iron. So a friend sharpens a friend. So we know that relationships matter. Relationships are important. I go to church, not just to get something, but to give something. When I get to church, I encourage those around me. I, it's great. You know, I'll encourage them. I'll encourage them. Prayer. If people need prayer, I'll pray for them. I'll stand with them. I'll have people come up to me, even our home church. I'm not ministering. Bishop's ministering. Pastor Sean's ministering. Somebody else is ministering. I'm not going to come up and say, hey, uh, Brother Ted, would you just pray with me? Or would you agree with us in prayer? We're believing for this. We're believing that. I uh, said, so, you know, can you imagine how ridiculous if I like, no, I'm not the minister today. Don't ask me for that. Go to Bishop, go to pastor Sean. Don't ask me. I'm not here to do that. I'm just here to receive. No, I don't do that. I'm your brother in Christ. If you need prayer, if you need encouragement, if you need a lifting up, I'm here for you. It's one of the things we're commanded to do. Encourage one another. 
stir up one another to love and to good works. And so I don't just go to receive, I go to give. I go to be an encouragement to somebody. And that's part of what we do. There's brothers and sisters in the body that are struggling with their own faith, struggling in their own life. And you know what they need? They need you and they need me to lift them up back into a place of faith, to encourage them back to a place of good works. You know, you've got people that the devil's been attacking them all week long. They've got thoughts coming against their mind. Guy just, I'll give you an example. Guy just came up to me at this last revival in, in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. And he said, uh, it was a wonderful testimony. He said, you uh, prayed for my wife, God healed her of cancer. Well, that was the first testimony. He said, now I want you to pray for my granddaughter. They're saying she's autistic, but I believe God will heal her. And then he said this, he said, I want you to pray for me because I was working with a guy and he started spewing all this stuff to me as we worked together, saying all these things to me. And he said, it it really, it poisoned my mind. He told me that. He told me that on Saturday. And then he said, when I come back Sunday, I want you to pray for me that God would renew my mind, heal my mind. And so this guy told me, he said, this guy at my work started saying all this stuff and it was, you know, perverted stuff. And he said, it feels like poison in my mind. So would you pray for me? I said, absolutely. So understand there's people that are coming to church. It's such a foolish thing for us to think that everybody that's sitting in their seats at church is at a hundred. They're not at a hundred. There's people in there that are at six. (laughs) There's people that are at 20. There's people that are at 35. They need encouragement. They need help. They need strengthening. They get enough people coming against them in the world. They get enough people coming against them uh, uh, at, at work, whatever, school, maybe even in their family. They need brothers and sisters in Christ that will encourage them and lift them up. You know, one of the things that, I, that the devil tries to do so hard to destroy this, he tries to bring division in the church. He tries to create little cliques, people talking about other people behind their back, This is why gossip is so dangerous. This is why slander is so dangerous and demonic because it eats away at the unity of the brothers and sisters of Christ. Amen. And that's why we need, and that's why the Bible says in the book of Psalms, it says how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. Unity is power. Division is destruction. Put it in the comments. Unity is power. Division is destruction. Unity is power. Division is destruction. And when we come together, we're coming together literally, uh, number one, by God's command. Number two, to experience God's presence. And then as I'm teaching you right here, number three, it is to stir up your brothers and sisters in Christ. That's number three. Number one, it's a command of God to come to church. Number two, it gets us into the corporate anointing, God's presence. Number three, it allows us to encourage our brothers and sisters in Christ. Let me give you 2 Corinthians 13. Let's look at that. 2 Corinthians chapter 13. Listen to what the apostle Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. 2 Corinthians 13, 11. This was his final greetings to that church. Finally, brothers, 
rejoice. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with the holy kiss. I'm bringing that back. I'm bringing that back for 2021. I'm tired of socially distancing from my brothers and sisters. I'm, I'm reinstituting the holy kiss. Um, notice that. Finally, brothers, rejoice. Aim for restoration. Well, we don't, we don't talk to him anymore. He had an issue. Oh, really? Because the Bible says aim for restoration. It says aim for restoration. Aim for restoration. The only time that you, that Paul, um, instructed them to get rid of or exclude somebody is someone who's had chance after chance after chance and rejects correction and rejects instruction. We got weirdness going on in the comments. Alex said, nobody will wholly kiss me. Eric said, I got you, Alex. <laughs> you hear that? Um, we posted the, sh the sweatshirts, Jordan, uh, on Instagram. You have to go back and look. Uh, we put the link up for the sweatshirts. Um, but notice that is that divisions, a destroyer restoration is something we should be doing for believers. And if they, if they're coming back with a repentant heart, they're coming back, uh, you know, looking for forgiveness. We don't toss people out and we don't distance ourselves from them because somebody made a mistake. You know what we do? We, we, uh, as Paul said, aim for restoration. We aim for restoration. And then if somebody's just belligerent, they don't want to follow correction. They don't want instruction. Then Paul said, okay, if that's the way they want to be after telling them once, telling them twice on the third time, uh, put, put them out of the church, put them out of the church and have nothing to do with them. But that's not the first thing you do. You aim for restoration. And the Bible says, not only that, uh, agree with one another, comfort one another and live in peace. Live in peace. So what are we doing? We know we're going to the house of God to comfort one another. Amen. Listen, I'm not on the follow-up team at our church. I'm not on the hospitality team. I'm not on the hospital visitation team. N none of that. But there are still, I'm encouraging people. I'm encouraging people. I'm comforting people as much as possible. Even, I'm not the pastor. I'm not a minister of that church. But... What am I, I'm still, still going to comfort my brothers. I'm still going to encourage my brothers and sisters. I'm still going to build people up. It's part of my job in the body of Christ. Amen. So number one, the first reason we're not just staying home doing church alone is because we're commanded to gather. Number one, commanded to gather. Number two, God's presence is there where two or three are gathered together in my name. I'm right there in the midst of them. There's a corporate anointing, unity. One can put a thousand to flight, two can put 10,000. If there's two of you touching anything in prayer, see, there's power and unity. We need each other. I want you to put it in the comments section. We need each other. We need each other. We absolutely do. We need each other. And that's number three. 
Number one, we're commanded. Number two, God's presence is there. But number three, we are able to comfort and encourage and lift up our brothers and sisters. That's why we're there. Not just to receive, but to act. That's the congregation. That is the literally the assembly of the brothers and sisters. What we're there for. We've, many people have lost that. It, it's become a me, me, me uh, mentality in the church. What can I get? Where's mine? I need me, 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 me. Turn it out. Christianity is not an inwardly focused religion. It's an outwardly focused religion. Outwardly focused. Now, let me give you some of the problems. Um, let me give you some of the problems. Number one, the one problem we have is this. Um, we need, and this is number four, if you're taking notes, this is number four. Number four, we need ministry gifts. Go to Ephesians four. We need the ministry gifts. These are the men and women that God has placed in the church. Men and women, God has placed in the church. Need them. One of the reasons that I don't agree with everybody going home and having a home church is because number one, you're not a five-fold ministry gift. And there's a lot of people that were never called by God to be a five-fold ministry gift, an apostle, a prophet, an evangelist, a pastor, a teacher. Those are, as we're going to read in a moment, let's read it. Ephesians 4 and um, verse 11. And he, this is speaking of Jesus, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors or shepherds, and teachers, look at verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood or adulthood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So number four, we need a ministry gift in our life. Not just one. We need access to all of the ministry gifts. I am a ministry gift. I'm teaching you today. I'm an evangelist. I am one of the five-fold ministry gifts. But you know what else? I need the ministry gifts in my life. I don't just run around because I'm an evangelist and say, well, I'm one of the five-fold, so I don't need the five-fold. I need the five-fold. I have a pastor. He speaks to me. He's welcome to correct me. He's welcome to instruct me. He's given Carolyn and I words and instruction and correct, whatever. We receive it. You know why? Because I'm not full of pride and I'm not full of, I'm not haughty. I'm meek and humble. And I know I need access to God's ministry gifts. I need access. I could stay. You know what I could do? I could come home from five straight weeks of preaching every single night and broadcasting every day and say, well, the Lord understands, you know, I've been doing the work of the ministry. I'm just going to stay home for the next few Sundays and rest myself. You know, the Lord understands I've been in church more than most people. I don't do that. That's a stupid thing to do. I said, that's a stupid thing to do because even though I have been preaching and have been preaching every night and have been doing it, 
I don't stay home when I get home to Florida. I get myself up, put my clothes on and go to church and sit on the front row and receive the word of God for myself. Because just because I'm an evangelist doesn't mean I don't need the fivefold ministry gifts that God's placed in the church. I need apostles in my life. I need prophets to speak. Amen. My uncle that I sat under for 10, 11 years or more, uh, really it was more like 15 years. He's a prophet. He's not a pastor. He's a prophet. Need that ministry. My father's a prophet. I need that ministry. I need pastors. I need teachers. I need other evangelists. I need apostles. And so understand, we all do. That's See, God's no fool. He's efficient. He wouldn't have given the ministry gifts to the church if the church didn't need the ministry gifts. Of course we need them. And people go, I'm going to stay home, just kind of start a home church where just we do like a Bible study, me and a couple other believers. You might have a Bible study and study your Bible, which you can do, but that ain't church. And that's not what the Bible's teaching. The ministry gifts. Now, how do we know? Here's a question. How do we know that part of what this is, is going to a place where a ministry gift is ministering to you. How do we know that that's the pattern of the Bible? It's what they did in scripture. And I want you to go with me to the book of Acts because the, the church was exploding. I mean, like the church was exploding. And because it was, they had so much going on and so many people being added to the church that the work started to get more and more and more. But look at this. This is right here, by the way. This is the formula of the church growth of the first century church. It's Acts chapter two, starting in verse 42. Listen to this. And they devoted themselves to number one, the apostles teaching, not anybody's teaching. You see that they didn't just to, to each other's teaching. Bible doesn't say they devoted each other to each other's teaching. Well, you know, we got together at my house and, uh, you know, we did a Bible study. We just kind of really were amazed at how much we could teach each other in the Bible study. It doesn't say that the church grew because they followed each other's teaching. It says it grew because they followed the apostles doctrine, the apostles teaching, the ministry gifts that God had placed to, to grow the church. They devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and the fellowship and breaking of bread and prayers. Let me say something. There's no fellowship unless there's some fellows in the ship. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? My grandfather used to say that. He'd say, I love fellowship and I love all the fellows in the ship. Yeah, you got to have other people to actually have fellowship. And that's what they did. It's what caused the church to explode. I'll show you in a moment. They, not only the apostles teaching, but fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayers. And awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Signs and wonders were a reason that the, that the church grew. 
And all who believed were together, had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and bringing the proceeds to all any as had need. They were giving. That's another reason it exploded. And day by day, attending the temple together. If you're looking for the place in the New Testament where, well, I just don't see, I see them gathering in homes in the New Testament. That was what the first century church did. No, they didn't. The Bible says in verse 46, Acts 2, 46, and day by day, every day, by the way, every day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. So they were actually fellowshipping. They formed their own community, if you haven't seen this. They formed their own community. That's why, uh, that's why Paul told the, Cor- the Corinthian church, he said, don't, don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. What relationship can light have with darkness? Why am I adding unbelievers dead in their trespasses and sins to my fellowship? They don't have anything in common with me. And that's the point Paul's making. Don't have anything to do with them. Don't tie yourself together with them. It doesn't mean you don't evangelize. doesn't mean you don't love unbelievers, but they're not called to be your close confidant. Look what the believers did. They joined, they formed a community where they fellowship together. Iron sharpens iron. Amen. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with gladness and generous hearts, praising God, having favor with all the people. Then look what happened as they did all this. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. So it never stopped growing. As I taught the other day, 300 years of persecution where they're killing Christians. This was literally a death sentence, a death sentence to be a Christian. But it blew up around the world. Blew up around the world. Couldn't stop the church. Why? They had ministry gifts that were maturing them. Why do you think Paul kept writing letters? Why do you think he kept visiting the churches? Why do you think when he couldn't go, he'd send Timothy or Titus or whoever? Why do you think they kept going? Well, if you read my new book on fasting, one of the reasons that he said they're coming to teach you He said, I'm sending Timothy to you to teach you how to live like I live. So what's he doing? That's that's exactly what he's doing. He's teaching them to live. That's the purpose of a a ministry gift, a five-fold ministry gift. According to Ephesians 4, 11, and 12, they're put in the church for the perfecting of the saints so that we can mature and be effective in our work. You know one of the reasons many people start their home church is because they got offended at whatever the pastor said and decided I'm not going back anymore. I'm just going to do church from home. Good luck with your Christianity. Good luck with your Christianity. Because number one, you're violating, you're allowing some offense that you had in church to get you to violate the commands of scripture. So here's really, this is their argument. I'm offended at something that happened. So as a result, I'm going to go live a life of sin. That's stupid. That's absolutely stupid because it is a sin to disobey the commands of scripture. By the way, if no one's ever said this to you, it's a sin to not go to church. (laughs) If you've never heard it, put it in the comments. It's a sin to refuse to go to church. Oh, that's, that's big brother. That's, that's heavy. It's not that heavy. 
it's pretty plain. Can you disobey the scripture and not call it sin? I mean, that's a very easy question. Can you disobey the scripture and not call it sin? If God told you to do something and you say, I'm not doing it, is that a sin or is it not a sin? To him that knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. It's a sin to refuse to go to church. I'm going to be very plain today. I hope people hear this. I hope people get uh, stirred up about it. It's a sin not to go to church. I know this is heavy for some people that are hearing it, but you need to hear it, especially in light of what happened last year where people just thought going to church isn't that important. You know why they thought that? Because they don't put a high enough precedent, a priority on the word of God. They have a low view of scripture. I kind of ranted and raved about this a little bit in Allentown, Bethlehem, that it blows my mind how low of a view of scripture that our generation has. They have a low view of scripture. This is, these aren't suggestions. This is the commands of God and his covenant. Commands. You can't, you can't choose to disobey God's commands and not call it sin. It's a sin not to go to church. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so we understand, number one, it's a command. Number two, we are benefiting from the corporate anointing or God's presence being there and the power of unity. Number three, we are encouraging our brothers and sisters, stirring them up to good works and to uh, love and encouraging them, sharpening iron, sharpening iron. So it's our brothers and sisters. And then number four, not only that, but we need the ministry gifts in our lives. We need the ministry gifts. I need, you need a pastor. You need to have access to apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. You need it. And that's where we find it in church. Let me just say something. And I know most people wouldn't say this. You may love this broadcast. There's people that log on to this broadcast every day, Monday through Friday. Let me be very plain about this. This broadcast is not a substitute for going to church. This broadcast, you may learn from this broadcast. You may be blessed. You may receive impartation. You may be matured. You may be built up. You may be discipled all through this broadcast, but that does not negate the fact you need to be faithful to church. This broadcast is not church. It's a supplement. It's a supplement. Amen. Thank God for the fact that we can do this broadcast and that comes to you every day and that we're able to bless you and build you up and encourage you. But you still need a pastor. You still need a church. You still need to gather together in person with believers. You must. And so uh, that's number four. We need the ministry gifts. We definitely need the ministry gifts. In fact, uh, as my father teaches, if all you ever have access to is one ministry gift, then you can only ever be one fifth perfected. If God gave us five and we only use one, we're only 20% perfected. We need apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. We need them all. We need them all. And it's not necessarily, let me, let me make a little modification, Angela. It's not necessarily a covering because Christ is our covering. We don't need a man to cover us. Christ is our covering, his blood. But it's the fact that God has ordained a system 
of maturity or maturing in the body. And it's through the ministry gifts. The only difference between the ministry gifts and other believers, they don't, have, it's not that they have different anointing. You both have the Holy Spirit. He is the anointing. It's just that it's like saying, well, you know, I'm not the same as, you know, the rock because I don't have the muscles he has. Well, you have the muscles. You have the muscles. You just have not developed them like he has. It's the same as the anointing. We, we have the anoint. If you have the Holy Spirit, you have the anointing. You just may not have developed it like someone that's a fivefold ministry gift, gift has because their calling puts them into a different line of work than yours, right? It's not that I couldn't learn plumbing as a person. I'm talking about me. It's not that I couldn't learn plumbing. It's not that I couldn't learn to be an electrician. It's just that it has nothing to do with my purpose and my calling. So I've never pursued knowledge on plumbing, never pursued knowledge on being an electrician because I don't need it. But, but to say that I couldn't ever do that is not true. I can learn how to do plumbing. I never will. I can learn how to be an electrician. I never will because it has nothing to do with my calling. Right? And so when we look at ministry gifts and say, wow, he's so powerful. She's so powerful. Look at all they do for God. Look at how their, their anointing functions. I could never do that. Jesus didn't teach that. He said to all of his followers, the works that I do, you will do also and greater works than these. But here's the question. Why does it seem like it's mainly the ministry people that do those types of things? Well, when you are giving all of your time, because it's your calling to the study of the word, to prayer, to fasting, to doing the things that uh, go along with being a minister, of course you're going to become proficient in teaching the word, in manifesting the anointing, in operating in the gifts of the spirit and all the, of course you are. That's what you're spending your time on. But it doesn't mean I have a different Holy Ghost than you do. You've got the same Holy Ghost that I have. You've got the same anointing of heaven, the same resurrection power that raised Christ from the dead that dwells in me dwells in you. And so notice it's the focus, but we need ministry gifts. God placed them in the church and their purpose is different than yours. And you need it for maturity. Amen. We can't ignore the fact, and this is where we've really fallen short because people go set up these most of the time out of offense. They go set up these home churches and say, we're just going to do it from home and have a Bible study. You're not even called to preach. You're not even called to be a ministry gift. You're not a pastor. You're a believer and you're teetering on that because you won't even obey the commands of scripture. So you can't not be a ministry gift and try to step into a ministry role. It won't work. It won't work. And it's you saying, God, you don't know what you're doing because you should have called me and you didn't. Don't do it. And here's the other thing. For people that want to just stick around with these home church settings, let me ask you a question because uh, Ushana made the point earlier in the broadcast. You know, how many, if you're doing what the Bible actually says to do with the a pattern of scripture that I just read in Acts 2, what did he say? Daily, he added to the church such as should be saved. Daily added, daily, added, daily, added. How many days can you hold home church before your home doesn't hold the church? Think about that for a minute. 
You know the reason they use temples and later built cathedrals and have big buildings that are churches? You know why? Because people are getting saved. People are getting saved and there's no more room to put the people. I mean, I have a good size house, personally. I couldn't hold this. The people that go to my church, I couldn't have home church with those people. I couldn't. Even if I did 10 services a Sunday, I couldn't do it. Why? Because God's added too many people to the church. And so some people's argument is, well, then we should start even more home churches. The problem is you don't have those ministry gifts starting home churches. So it's a foolish thing to say, well, let's just break these big churches up into smaller home churches. Okay. But the problem is you're going to start putting people into a home church that the leader's not even a five-fold ministry gift. It's not about control. It's about people using their brain to understand God is into growth. Nathan, I'm not saying there is any problem with home fellowship. I dealt with that. There is no problem with home fellowship, studying the Bible, reading the Bible, going out to help the community. Uh, there's nothing wrong with it. And the believers had home fellowship. That's, that's, what I'm, that's the point I'm making. If you study uh, Acts, they had home fellowship. What I'm saying is that home fellowship never, ever takes the place of going to church with the other believers and sitting under a five-fold ministry gift and receiving the word and, and maturing. And so it's one thing, and so to just plainly answer the question about online watch parties and church online, they're wonderful things. And like right now, this could be considered an online watch party. We're all watching, you know, we're all, we're all uh, viewing this broadcast right now. But as I said earlier, it doesn't take the place of church. Because as the points I'm, I'm breaking out for you from scripture, there's a reason we gather together in person. There's a reason we come together and go to church. And so I'll give you one other one because here's, here's something that people don't often think about. But <clears throat> think about this. The ordinances of the church. The ordinances of the church. I want you to put that in. It's number five. The ordinances of the church. There are certain things <clears throat> that God commanded to happen in church. There are certain things that happen in church that God commanded. Let me give you an example. Baptism. These are the ordinances of the church, things that we as believers are commanded to do the liturgical things, things that we're commanded to do baptisms. The men of God are to baptize new believers. Uh, what else? The breaking of bread together. Communion is done together. Notice that Jesus didn't do communion by himself when he instituted it. He did it at the last supper with all of his followers around him. And he said, as often as you do this in remembrance of me, as the believers come together and in remembrance of redemption, we take communion to remember the body of Christ that was broken for us. The blood of Christ that was shed for the remission of sins. We do it together. We're supposed to do it together. And in fact, when you read Acts chapter two, 
it, it, you may find this interesting that the Bible says, um, let me go give you two different, uh, examples. Um, verse 46 says that day by day, they attended the temple and the breaking of bread in their homes. So it's one thing to have meals together in fellowship, right? It's one thing to say, Hey, come on over for dinner. We'd love to have you for dinner. And we'll just hang out, talk and fellowship as believers. That's fellowship. But that's not the same thing that the Bible's talking about uh, three verses earlier when it says in verse 42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. That breaking of bread is talking about the communion meal. They came together and had the breaking of bread and the prayers. That's the communion and prayer and fellowship, the fellowship, meaning the group of believers, not we're having like a, a men's fellowship. It means I'm part of the fellowship. It's a group. They went to the temple daily. They were part of the fellowship. They did communion. They prayed. These were the ordinances of the church, baptism, communion, what else? Let's break some other ones down that you can't do if you're not together. I'll give you another one. I mean, that's, I mean, think about it. Even for the Catholic church, what an, what a, uh, what a, uh, an attack against our freedom of religion to lock down the churches. That's why it's unconstitutional. And that's why the, the, the Supreme court of the United States just had to pass a couple of days ago. They voted six to three that they would not prosecute churches for gathering together in California, which sets a precedent across the whole nation now. Whole nation, because it's unconstitutional in America. You can't, you can't restrict the assembling of religious assemblies. You can't, we have a constitutional right to gather together. And so, uh, the point I'm making here is when we come together, what an, what an attack against their freedom of religion. You know, do you realize that, um, do you realize that, um, in the Catholic church, I should say only the priest can give communion. Did you know that? That only the priest can give communion to God's people. Well, that's what they believe. And so what an attack against their religious liberty that they couldn't even come together for the breaking of bread for the Lord's Supper because of this governmental shutdown. It's an attack against liberty. It's an attack against liberty. And so there are ordinances of the church baptism in water, the communion meal, the Lord's supper. Okay. Let's give you another one in James chapter five. This is what the Bible says. James five. Is there any sick among you? What, what's, so what's the protocol? If there's anybody sick in the body of believers in the church, let him call for the elders of the church. Let's go there. James five. James chapter five, are there any sick among you? And this is James five, 14. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him. How? Anointing him with oil. Mm -hmm. In the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who's sick and the Lord will raise him up. I don't care how much I love you on this broadcast. I don't care how much I love you. I am an elder of the church, by the way. 
I'm in, as I said earlier, I'm in the five-fold ministry. So I, I don't care how much I love you. I don't care how much I want to pray for you. There is no way for me to obey this command. If you're sick watching this broadcast, I can pray the prayer of faith over you. I can send a word as Jesus did, but I have zero way to obey this command to anoint you with oil. I can't do it. And the elders are commanded to anoint those that are sick with oil. But I, that's, that's an ordinance of the church. I can't do that online. See, there are reasons we gather together in person. In person. What about the laying on of hands? They shall lay their hands on the sick and they shall recover. That's how Jesus functioned. That's how the apostles functioned. Early church. There, I don't care how much I love you. There's no way on this broadcast for me to lay my hands upon you. I can't lay hands on you and I cannot anoint you with oil. Two things commanded in the scripture. So I can't baptize you. Number one, I can't baptize you. I can't give you the Lord's Supper. I cannot lay hands on you. I cannot anoint you with oil. You see, there are ordinances of the church. There are things that we're supposed to be doing together. We're supposed to be doing them together. Yeah. Because here's, here's the people's argument. Well, can't you do those things at home? You can, but you're not supposed to. There's nothing wrong with having communion by yourself at home, but look at the scripture. Look at the protocol. They would gather together in the temple and do it. Jesus was telling them as a group, when you get together, when you are in remembrance of the things that I did, break bread. This is my body that was broken for you. This is my blood that was shed for you. Look at the context. Jesus did it in a group. He said, when you get together in a group, do it. And then look at this. Here is, is commanded that, or, or we see the narrative in Acts 2. They went to the temple and had the Lord's Supper daily, daily. And so basically what people are saying, yeah, Zach said it's baptism Sunday. Go dunk in your bathtub, gang. Exactly. It's like, how are you going to fulfill the ordinances, ordinances of the church if you cannot gather together. It's demonic. It's demonic. And so for me, now people say this, well, there's just, and I understand here's why some people choose to do online things like watch parties and, you know, join some other church. But in all reality, uh, I have a lot of people that'll say this to me. Well, there's just no good church around me. You know, there's just no good Holy Ghost church around me. I hear that all the time. People say it to me all the time. There's just no good Holy you, you know what my answer is? Move. You say, that's pretty serious. Yep, it is. Because there's nothing more important than your spiritual life and the spiritual lives of your children. Nothing. Do you know that when this country was founded, they placed such a priority on the church. Listen to me now. Placed such a priority on the church that they would build the church building first in the colonies. And then everything else in the center of town and everything else was built out from the church. You go study it in history. They'd build the church and everything was built out from the church. Why? It was the center of their community. It was the center 
of their civilization. Amen. Amen, Nathan. That's a great, great thing. Great thing. They built the church first because, right, David, Pastor David Rensel makes a great point. People will drive an hour to go to work, but not an hour to go to church. My father-in-law worked for the VA hospital here in Miami, lived in Coral Springs, drove an hour to work every morning and an hour back. When he moved to Virginia, worked up in um, you know, Norfolk at that VA hospital, drove from Virginia Beach, and if there was traffic, if Hampton Roads Bridge Tunnel, forget it. You drive up through, could be an hour. Coming home, better hope there's no wrecks. You better hope there's nothing. And, take, and there's people who do that. Well, of course, he's faithful to church. But there's people that'll do things just like that, but then they, they won't do that for church. And I applaud people that attend church. You know, they find a Holy Ghost church. Yeah, it's far from our house. But you know what? We go anyway. It takes us an hour to get down there. takes us an hour to get home. But you know what? There is nothing more important than being in the house of God where the anointing is present and where the word of God is preached, the full counsel of God's word. Nothing more important than that. Nothing more important than that. Amen. And so when I tell people move, I know that shakes people a bit like move. Are you serious? Yeah, you can get a job anywhere. You can raise your family anywhere. But the house of God, see, this is how serious I am about this. The house of God is your first priority. You know, even say, well, you know, we're kind of going to a dead church right now. And, you know, I grew up in Holy Ghost Church, so I know better. I know. Yeah, but your kids don't know better. Your grandkids don't know better. What they grow up in is what they're going to become. Think about that. Eric said, there's a couple at our church that drives two and a half hours to serve on the worship team and they're there every service. Think about that. Faith said, our church is an hour away. Think about that. And so what I'm, what I'm telling you is this, nothing more important. There's nothing more important. Do you know, be, just, just obeying the Lord's word is so vitally important. We'll do anything to obey it. You know, let me just give you something. When I got out of Bible school, of course, I, I traveled for a year, helped my father for a year. But when I was in February of 2003, the Lord spoke to me that I was supposed to go to Virginia Beach and help my uncle as he was planning that church there, Dominion Christian Center. And of course, he'd already planted it and I was helping. Do you realize, and I'm not saying this to, to brag, I'm saying it because when you get a word from the Lord, you better obey it. And I would leave. West Virginia on Friday morning, and I would drive seven and a half hours, seven and a half hours to get to Virginia Beach in time for the Friday night service. And then I would do a Saturday youth service. I would then do Sunday service and drive seven and a half hours back to West Virginia to work uh, Monday through Thursday. Did that for months and months and months and months. And then obeyed the voice of the spirit and moved there. Went on staff, did all that. And then listen to this. And then I had no reason to do it. No, no desire to do it and no reason to do it. And I'm driving, praying in the Holy Ghost. And the Lord speaks to me and says, it's time for you to move. And I'm going to have you move to Florida. I'm going to have to have you to move. I don't even like Florida I, to this day. I love where I live now. But every other part of Florida, I don't care for. Every other part. Don't like it. 
Don't like Orlando. Don't like Tampa. Don't like Miami. Don't like Jacksonville. Don't like Lower Alabama or what we call Pensacola. I, I, Sarasota, Fort Myers. I don't care for any of them. And I didn't like Florida before that. And I thought to myself, literally, I'm driving to New York in the night and praying in the Holy Ghost, and the Lord says, you're moving to Florida. Well, that's a command from the Lord by the Holy Spirit. I called my wife, told her. We had no reason to go. It's not like we had a, a, you know, a job opportunity or I was taking over a church down here. I'm, I'm an evangelist. I could do this, what I did from anywhere. Could have stayed where my house was in Virginia and kept, you know, my family's there. You know, no reason. But the Lord said so. The Lord said to do it. And if he told me to do it, I'm going to do it. Well, look what happened moved here and within just a couple of years. We're so abundantly blessed, it's mind-blowing. Why? Because we obeyed the commands of the Lord. When you obey the commands of God, the blessing of God flows. So, let me give you number six. Let me, let me break down these one more time for those that are jumping on. I like to give you these points again and again so you don't miss any. Number one, we attend church because we're commanded to gather together. It's a command. Number two, it's because there is a corporate anointing uh, that's available as we gather together. The power of unity. Two or, three gather, two or three gather together in my name, I'm right there in the midst of them. You know, if two of you agree touching anything, it shall be done by my fathers in heaven. You know, iron sharpens iron. So there's a corporate anointing. That's number two. Number three is the fact that we are there to be a blessing to our brothers and sisters, to encourage them, to lift them up, to exhort them to good works and to righteousness and to love, to build them up in their spirit, comfort one another. That's number three. Number four, we need the ministry gifts God has placed in the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. We need the fivefold ministry in our lives. So we go to church and receive from a fivefold ministry gift. Number five, the ordinances of the church are necessary because God commanded them. Baptism, communion, anointing with oil, laying on of hands, you know, corporate worship. There's a reason we do it. He commanded it. Amen. There's a reason that we do it because he commanded it. But number six, let me say this. This is the sixth thing I wanted to give you today. Every time you obey God's commands, there are blessings attached to your obedience. Hallelujah. So one of the reasons I go to church, and yes, this is a reason. One of the reasons that I go to church is because as I obey the instruction of the word of God to attend church faithfully, I will be blessed for pursuing God in that way. I'm going to say that again. I will be blessed for pursuing God in faithful church attendance. <laughs> Let, let's put it this way in the comments. Faithful church attendance yields the blessings of God. Faithful church attendance. Notice I didn't just say church attendance. I said faithful church attendance. Do you realize in America right now, the average Christian attends church once every five weeks, <laughs> literally once every five weeks. It's the average. Go once, skip four weeks, go again. That's not what I'm talking about. Notice what I said they did in the early church. Every single day they were at the temple 
praising God, hearing the word, breaking bread, praying. It was a daily thing for them. They even fasted two days a week. Faithful church attendance yields the blessings of God. And I'll, I'll take you for this, uh, this point here to Hebrews chapter 11, which you know, well, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse six. Oh, I know exactly what you mean. Leslie said, I told my son's coach, he will not be there, um, on Sundays until after service. No, no question. I didn't go Wednesdays. I don't care. If, well, we won the state championship in basketball. And I told my coach, I'm not coming even on when, if you call a practice on Wednesday nights, I won't be there because I go to church on Wednesday nights. I had to actually take a penalty for that. I had to do more work than everybody else because I, I did that, but that's fine with me. I honor God. I'm not in the NBA in 2021, but I am still serving the Lord. Verse six of Hebrews 11, without faith, it's impossible to please him for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. King James says diligently seek him. And that's what we're really seeing, isn't it? From you go through all the different scriptures, Old and new Testament that are talking about this. Seek ye first, first priority, the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. What a, <laughs> the eyes of the Lord are searching to and fro throughout the whole earth. Who's he looking for? People whose hearts are loyal to him. He told Jeremiah, when you search after me with your whole heart, you'll find me. Yeah, Matt, I've never been able to dunk, sadly. It's diligence that God blesses. It's faithfulness that God blesses. That's why I don't come home from revival services on the road and say, well, I'm just going to stay home from church. I'm tired. No, I go to church. I get these bones up, get this flesh up, put on a suit, go to church and receive the word. Amen. And let me tell you something. If I can go to church every Sunday and Wednesday after preaching, you know, 40 times in 35 days, then anybody can get up and go to church. <laughs> And we need to, we need to be faithful to the house of God, faithful to the house of God. Um, Ed says, what about people who have a job where they are working seven days a week, like employees management who work on cruise ships, large cruise ships who do have service on the ship, but with the schedules they're not able to attend them. Now this is going to sound heavy Ed, but I'm going to say it. I said it to somebody yesterday. If you have a job that does not permit you to go to church, get another job. Do you honestly think that you'd be less blessed obeying the commands of God than, than you would by not obeying the commands of God and working more? Do you think that your work, your toil, in fact, let me take you to Psalm 127 and show you this from scripture, this point that I'm making. See, because as Paul said, if God's for you, who can be against you? That's in every area of life, by the way. Let me read you Psalm 127, verses 1 and 2. Listen to this. Uh, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Now listen to this. Listen to verse 2. It is in vain that you rise up early 
and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives rest to his beloved or his loved ones. So you, you see what the psalmist is saying there? There's people, they'll work seven days a week. They're working diligent, anxious work, diligent work, toil all the time. They said, if God's not on it, it's all for nothing. It's all for nothing. I know people that'll work three and four jobs to make ends meet. Then they start being faithful to church and tithing and giving. They'll work one job and be more blessed than they were when they worked four jobs. I'm just telling you, if I worked a job, and every, every job I have worked in the past before I became a full-time minister, every job I have worked, they knew ahead of time, you'll not see me on a Wednesday night night shift, and you'll not see me on a Sunday shift. You just won't, because I go to church. See, we have to get to, we have to get to the place where we honor God's, um, yeah, even if you're doing that, Ed, if you're attending the church service that they have on the cruise ship, uh, you know, they should not have the right to restrict your religious life. I mean, just stop for a minute and remember, yes, Ed, God first. Just imagine if this was a Muslim asking for this. Can you even imagine any corporation in America, especially in 2021, um, can you even imagine Clayton Jennings? Oh Lord. Can you even imagine a Muslim approaching their, their boss and saying, I go to mosque on Fridays. And so I won't be able to come to work. And that boss went, you better come to work. You better not go to mosque. You'll, I'll fire you. Can you even imagine the story in the paper or on the news of a Muslim uprising because Muslims were getting fired for attending mosque instead of going to uh, work. It would never happen. It would never happen. But Christians are so nice that we sit back and say, oh, you want me to work? Okay, I'll work. No problem. You want me to skip church? Okay, no problem. Whereas Muslims like, no, we don't work. Jews, you think Jews are going to work when they should be on the Sabbath day? Jews aren't going to work ones that are following the word of God anyway, they're not going to work on the Sabbath day. They keep it holy. And so the point I'm making is, is that we have to take a stand for what we believe. My boss isn't the boss of my life. He's the boss of the job. He doesn't control my life. Imagine your boss telling you, you can't go to work anymore, period. Can you imagine your boss of your job coming up to you and saying, hey, we just want to let you know if you're going to stay working for this company, you can't, a church, you can't attend church ever again, actually, if you want to work for this company. Because essentially, it's what they're saying by setting your schedule like that. You're going to be working every Sunday, so you won't be going to church. So they're basically telling you, we run your life, and I don't care if you're religious or not, you're not going to church because we got you working on Sunday. And you got to let them know. No, I don't work. And there's, they have no right to penalize you for your Christian life. It's, you can't do that to people. You cannot uh, fire them and persecute them for their religious belief systems. You can't. So you need to stand up for it and say, listen, I attend church. I attend church. I'm a Christian. I won't be here. Don't schedule me. You won't see me. And they can't, and listen to me, they can't fire you for that. Especially if you're in the United States of America. Now, if you're somewhere else, maybe. That's right. 
Chi-Chi said they set a standard for their religion that everyone has to respect, and that's what you got to do. Notice that. Chick-fil-A doesn't even make their employees make that distinction because they're closed on Sundays. You see what I mean? Stand up for what the Bible says and stand up for what you believe in. And so I'm, I'm encouraging you today. This whole thought process, we've, we've got, number one, we've got too low of a view of scripture and we've got too low of a view of church itself. Church is not a game. You know, that's why I'm, I'm so blown away by this foolish seeker sense, sensitive church movement where we're trying to customize and curate our services for those that are dead in trespasses and in their sins. I'm not setting up church for them. You know, I think we're going to start today with a couple ACDC songs because, you know, it's the songs that the sinners know. It's like, I don't need to start with Taylor Swift, uh, you know, in my worship set. What a joke. And there's churches that do that. I'm not playing around. There's churches that do it. It's a joke. They're not churches at all. They're jokes. They don't preach what the Bible says. They've set the whole thing up to kick the Holy Spirit out of his own house. It's a joke. They could burn to the ground and God wouldn't even know they were gone because they haven't let him in for years. And so I want you, I want you to hear what I'm saying. It's important to hold a high view of scripture and a high view of church. Church is not an option. It's not optional. It's a must. And we got to be faithful to the house of God. If we want to see, now what have we, we've been preaching this year, we're going to run in 2021. We're going to run in 2021. We're not going to do that flippantly following God. We're not going to do that as part-time lovers of God. We have to be diligent. They that wait upon the Lord, those that are bound together with the Lord will renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings as eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and they shall not faint. It's not going to be the flippant part-time believer that's running through 2021. It's going to be the diligent, faithful believer that's going to run with new strength in this year. I want to pray for those of you that are watching. And maybe you're in a place where uh, you say, hey, I'm one of those people you talked about where I'm not anywhere near an on-fire church. I'm going to pray that God either shows you one as you're searching or that he just gives you the leading or the faith to move to where there is a good one and to have the boldness to actually step out and do it with your family. It's the most important thing to be in the presence of God. Father, in Jesus' name, praying for your people today. I ask you, Lord, to give us a new hunger and a fire to hold your word above anything else and to hold your house above anything else, to value your presence above anything else. Lord, touch every one of us this year. Make us impactful people in the kingdom, but give us a hunger to be where you want us to be. Let us be the most faithful people there are not just to your house, but our bosses will see we're the most faithful on the job. We're the most faithful to our family, faithful to our, uh, our children. We're the most faithful people that there are. And use us, Lord, this year for your glory. I pray you open doors for people. Father, let them find and see where the Holy Ghost and fire churches are. Or give them the boldness and the leading to move and get where your presence is moving. And let every house be strengthened by your power. In Jesus' mighty name, let every house be strengthened by your glory. We thank you for it and we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. 
listen, I love you. I can't believe we've crossed over into March already. It's, hey, Jess, good to see you. Good to see you. Love you. She's working. She prayed the prayer of salvation on Sunday. Jess, we shipped out your books. I believe today we're getting them out to you. Love you so much. Appreciate you. Here's what I want to do. We've crossed over into March. We're in now the third month of the year. Um, I hope you're still with us on the 90 day Bible reading plan. We're in the final month, uh, of the, the Bible in 90 days. And you can obviously get that on our website. If you didn't know anything about it and you want to start now, cause it's a new month, you can go to, um, miracleword.com forward slash study, and you can download the free PDF. We have not only a Bible reading plan for you, but on that page, we have a bunch of videos that will help you to study the Bible in depth. And um, so you'll enjoy it a lot. We're, we're on the final month of that right now. But I want to challenge you today to stand with us because we're doing more than we've ever done. Now, in this year of 2021, we're feeding more children than we ever have. We bumped up our even our uh, support of Feed the uh, Hungry. We're doing more with children. You're standing with us as we're feeding the poor around the world. But not only that. Um, we're now preaching the gospel every single week around the world. And uh, people are already being touched. Do you know now that we're on television? Let me tell you something that's starting to happen. We've got other television networks that are seeing our program and are now contacting us that want us to put our program on in other cities and places. Uh, And so doors, literally, I knew this was going to happen, that as we stepped out, more doors we're going to open. And, um, so we're it, now that we're in March, we're on now in, uh, the entire continent of Africa, all through the UK, um, 80 million homes in Africa, about 18 and a half million in the UK. We're on through the whole Caribbean, multiple days a week here in Florida, uh, Pakistan, all around the world. Here's what we want to do. I want to encourage you and, and challenge you. Uh, two things. Number one, I want to challenge you as we've crossed over into March to sow a seed this month by faith, something that takes faith, a significant seed to sow. But I also want to encourage those of you that are watching that have not yet done so to stand with us in partnership on a monthly basis, every month, sowing a recurring seed, whatever it is that God puts in your spirit. We've asked that God would attach to this ministry a thousand people that would stand with us at $85 or more every month. Many people are already doing that. Some are increasing past that number. Now we've got all, especially February hit God started blessing people and uh, they started increasing their partnership. Some jumped to a hundred a month, 150 a month, 200, 300, 400 a month. Do what you can do. Do what the Lord's encouraging you to do. Easy to do it. Just go to miracleword.com. And you can click the giving page. All of the ways to give are there on the website. On your screen, you can see PayPal and Cash App. Hashtag donate. Thank you, Jeanette, for sowing that seed on Facebook. Um, You can do hashtag donate if you're watching on Twitter or if you're watching on Facebook. If you're on YouTube, you can use Venmo, Cash App, PayPal, the website. And uh, our mailing address, if you're sending a check, is on every page of our website at the bottom. And you can get our PO box and send it there. Also, for those of you that have been asking, uh, if you can do Zelle transfers, there's people that wanted to do Zelle transfers. Thank you, Dale, for sowing that seed on Facebook. Um, We've had people that continue to ask, are are we able to do a Zelle transfer? You can. You absolutely can. 
And um, the, the email address to use if you want to do a Zelle transfer is info at miracleword.com. Info at miracleword.com. Faith with a testimony. I want you to know when I was touching Cast Sunday, it was uh, me who was looking the game my fans through court. Oh, wow. Praise God. Look at that. Praise God for that. That was a word on uh, Sunday for those of you that weren't watching or weren't there that monies that had been held up uh, illegally that were supposed to come were coming. And look at, there's the testimony. It's already unlocked some of it and it's coming to her. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. This is going to be a year of increase. I'm just telling you. And so that's why I'm encouraging you. It's your seed that you get into the ground that causes the harvest to come. Every harvest runs back to the seed. It has to. It's a biblical principle. And, uh, and so I want to encourage you right now, stand with us, me and Carolyn, as we're preaching the gospel. And we want to see you at these live revivals, uh, wherever we are. Love to have you drive in. We'd love to have you fly in. Love to see you in these services. All that's on the website as well. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing you. People keep asking about the sweatshirt. I have the maroon one and this blue one. And... Um, we put it up on uh, we put it up on Instagram, and so if you look at Carolyn's Instagram, and I think is it on mine too, Tiff. I'm not I'm not sure. It might be. If not, it's definitely on Carolyn's. And uh, this, what's that? Yeah, put the website up because people want to see it. People keep asking how they can get a hold of the sweatshirt like this. Uh, this is. Um, and, and Tiff's going to put it in the comments right now, the Holy Spirit sweatshirt. They have multiple colors if you want to get it. Um, this is the website you can go to. Don't forget tomorrow is uh, a brand new Miracle Word Kids uh, video and Bible study for your children. You can get it at MiracleWordKids.com. And uh, I know you'll be blessed. People are jumping on from all over the world. Here's the website, by the way, for the sweatshirt coming up to the comments section for those of you who want to get it. Uh, it's uh, childofgodco.net childofgodco.net that's the website to get the shirts if you want to get them we're going to try to get some new uh, Victory Tribe shirts up for you guys very soon but um, I want to tell you I love you so much I'm happy to be back in the studio I'll be back again tomorrow morning 10.30am don't want to miss it um, I think Carolyn's going to be joining me this week at some point and um, looking forward to shit. Oh, oh, by the way, I did want to say this. If you missed yesterday with my mom and Carolyn on the broadcast, you need to go back and watch that broadcast. It was awesome. It dealt with uh, carnality as a Christian. Um, go back. It's on YouTube. It's on the podcast. Uh, it's awesome. You can even go to my Instagram story and swipe up to go to it. Awesome, awesome broadcast. I love you guys. Thanks for hanging with me again today. I'll talk to you again very soon. Be blessed. I'll see you later. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.